being an agent and running a business is also different versus just actually living in life and being an employee, frankly. When you own a business and are a real estate agent particularly, it's all about politics and strategy and managing human beings and trying to get, you know, win-win situations. You're listening to Elevate, the official podcast of Elite Agent for real estate industry sales professionals, property managers and leaders. With thanks to our partner Connect Now, Elevate brings you the best tools, thinking and strategies to elevate your results. To get access to all of Elite Agent's premium resources, including a detailed episode guide for this podcast, visit joineliteagent.com. And for more information about how Connect Now can make moving easier on your clients, visit connectnow.com.au. Here is your host, Samantha McLean. Welcome to another episode of the Elevate podcast where we delve into some of the most interesting minds in business and in real estate for the very best tips and strategies for you to implement to elevate your business. I'm Samantha McLean, editor of Elite Agent and host of today's show. My guest on today's show is First City Real Estate Group Director Cara Atchison. In addition to running multiple offices in Sydney's eastern suburbs, Cara will be familiar to many as one of the stars this year on Survivor Australia Brains vs Brawn. So Cara, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Samantha. I've actually been a fan of Elite Mag for a long time. Actually, it's very informative, and I love it. Thank you. Um, I've been I've been a fan of Survivor, and I was a big fan of of, of yours on Survivor this year as well. So the, the feelings the feelings absolutely mutual. And I just want to say that I've always thought that a real estate agent would do really well on Survivor. Like I've been watching it for years, and always thought. Um, that if someone from real estate went on the show, that they would do really well. And thank you for proving me right. <laughs> Let's not mention Benny then. <laughs> <laughs> no, that, that, was, that, was, that was a while ago. But um, what, what was it like watching the series back now that it's all over? Because I'm guessing you did watch it back. Um, but it happened such a long time ago, didn't it? It, it did happen a while ago. It, it was April I left, I think April 7. And I was literally in, after I quarantined, I was in blackout from my family and my business until I think June 8 or June 7, somewhere around there. Um, it's, it's pretty confronting. Uh, I used to think that survival was all about, always about the challenges. And, you know, you sit back on the television, excuse me, you sit back watching the television and you're like, I could do that challenge. I could do that. I could do that. Um, but what it is actually about is just uh, making people a little bit crazy and insane by taking away, you know, all their support base, all their, you know, almost identity um, in a certain way. You know, you have to wear certain clothing, get approved. Um, you're thrust in this environment that's super harsh. It was really brutal. And, you know, you're trying to, you know, navigate this, you know, human life game. I feel it's a bit squid game-ish. A uh, bit less brutal than Squid Games, uh, Squid Games, excuse me. Um, but yeah, it, it, it is seriously uh, confronting, you know, physically, mentally, morally, everything. It's it's actually really tough. Yeah, I can. I well, I can imagine. I looked at some of the challenges that you guys went through, and and as I said, been watching the show for years, and and some of it looks pretty pretty hard. So knowing all of that, what made you want to go on the show? I've just always been a, a Survivor fan. My husband, Bradley, who I work with at First City, uh, he and I, we just love it from from day dot, except for the Dicko ones. Um, I, I just love it. I love, like, I'm, a, I'm actually a really massive adventure junkie. I've been um, skydiving and scuba diving and bungee jumping and bridge swing and bridge climb, and I'm one of those type of people. Um, 
and hang gliding as well. And I, I just really wanted a challenge and I just wanted to push myself and like what better forum to kind of push yourself on. It's, it's cut to me the only, the only one. It's funny, like I, I, I feel like um, a real estate agent was always going to do well on Survivor because I think there's a lot of parallels between real estate or the lessons that we learn in real estate and what happens on Survivor, the relationships that you create, the strategy, the playing the long game. So yes, I was hoping we could that. sort of talk about, you know, some of your key moments in the show and how they, you know, how, how they relate back to real estate. I was a lot older than a lot of the youngers there and you know they were world champion you know athletes uh but they'd never run a business and i i know you would imagine being an agent and running a business is also different versus just actually living in life and being an employee frankly when you own a business and are a real estate agent particularly it's all about politics and strategy and managing human beings and trying to get you know win-win situations um that's actually in the business as an agent you're corralling um, you know, the minds of vendors and purchasers and, you know, buyers, agents and solicitors and, you know, even the, the gardener who likes to suggest the pricing on, on a property, for example. So you're just <laughs> completely managing expectations and definitely playing for the long game, but keeping people on side. Um, they were kind of the main things that I went in wanting to do and having the skill set to do. And the other side to that was, um, managing the people of course but keeping my own integrity uh, as well as my my company and my businesses and in addition uh, being having my kids be proud of me so it was a, it was a very weighted kind of thing and what I did and you was uh, you you know as well as I do that being a real estate agent comes with a stigma and it's always lack of trust and first city and myself and my husband we all stand for absolute transparency and trust and I the producers and the executive producer told me I was one of the only ones in the history of Australian Survivor to actually go through and pretty much tell the truth the whole time. There was only a time at the end where, you know, I had to lie a little bit um, just to save my <laughs> butt. But for everyone, they're like, nobody could believe me sometimes because they didn't think I was telling the truth. And I said, you'll find I'm telling the truth. So um, it was an interesting take on it. And I'm, I'm glad that my um, kind of my credo and philosophy and, and my goals um, like came to fruition in that. There's a couple of moments of yours that I really loved in the show. The, the first one being, uh, well, I loved it and I hated it in the beginning because I was like, no, we can't lose Cara <laughs> in week one or two. Like that's just <laughs> not good. That's not happening. Yeah. Um, but you you kind of did something very selfless in I think it was week two or something like that of the show where um, you played your immunity idol for yeah. King George, mm -hmm. um, which is I think the parallel in that is sometimes you've got to do the right thing even if it's not the right thing for you. Can you explain yeah. your thinking behind um, behind what you did there? Knowing that I'm a massive fan of Survivor, I – happily ensconced in a business that's very successful, happily married. Um, I wasn't necessarily there for the title or the, or the money, not to say that wouldn't I wouldn't have loved it, but that was never my goal. My goal was always to enjoy the journey because there's no point getting to the end and having a terrible journey. I always say this to my team, uh, to my agents, to my admin staff, no point getting to the direction you want to go and turn around and there's a whole heap of carnage behind you. That's not the way we operate with our clients. We're not transactional. 
um, you know, with our team, we're just not built that way. So I tried to teach them that. So it was actually a really, really toxic environment uh, in the original brains camp. And uh, knowing, I know you watched it, the very first time when George saved us, nobody knew what was going on. And I've spoken to them about that. They're like, Matt, you shouldn't have played it that way, but yet he did. And in hindsight, in terms of saving us, I think he did the right thing. Um, he was trying to be, be a good thing. I remember sitting in tribal and he was being hectic as he, you know, he likes to be hectic, you know, when the time calls for, it's very kind of considered hectic, if you will. Yeah. Um, and I was looking at him in tribal going, I actually think he's putting on a bit of a show and I actually think he's a good guy underneath. And that was the very first time we'd only met each other for, I don't know, I think a day or two at that point. And um, I just remember that was the little moment I got a little inkling of him. Um, following on to that, when we had people in the tribe saying, uh, you know, don't talk to Kara, for example, I'm thinking I'm a human being. And, you know, they were being mean to George because he was different. And what I loved about George specifically was he's a truth teller. Um, and they just didn't want to hear it all the time. And it's, you know, it's bombastic. Sometimes he didn't deliver it the right way. Uh, but later on, that's where I came into play to help him, you know, be a little bit more political, if you will, but uh, gentle political. <laughs> um, so we were sort of, we were being ostracized a bit. And I just knew going back to the, the journey that I wanted, I just thought, hey, I'm not going to stand for this for myself, for my children, for my husband, for my business to have this journey and absolutely just everything gets blown up anyway in the game and at home. It's just, it's very stressful for the people you leave behind. Um, and I knew how much George wanted it. So he actually didn't know that I was going to do it. No one knew. Uh, I told Baden literally three minutes before we went to vote and Baden was like, you know what you're doing? I'm like, yes, I know what I'm doing but I can't stand for this treatment. And you know what? I'm going to serve them back uh, exactly what they didn't want. And they can, you know, they can actually get a kind of measure of their own decisions. Um, nobody really knows at, also at this tribal that they had a, a little thing which was called burn the votes and the whole rest of the tribe had the option to keep me um at one point or to burn the votes and we could all go back in and they chose to not do that they chose to a sit on their laurels because they thought they were comfortable which george and i never did george and i are little worker bees um he grew up in bankstown as you know i actually grew up in campbelltown that's kind of why the duchess of double bay is slightly tongue-in-cheek to people that know me because i'll literally crawl, crawl around the dirt i have no issues with that um so that whole underdog thing, um, I feel like I'm talking around circles, but the whole underdog thing, wanting to save him, it was me as a mother just going, I feel like he's my little brother and I'd like to protect him. And I felt that no one else had ever really done that in his life. And he, he just desperately, desperately wanted it. And yeah, I, I think, I hope that answers your question in a bit of a longer kind of curly way. Sorry. Definitely. Um, and I, I think it was like, it was almost like that good works thing. I think we actually said something in the brief about it the next day was that, you know, you do a good deed and you get repaid in ways that you don't imagine, which was, I think you yes. got a free pass over to the fun tribe. <laughs> I couldn't believe <laughs> it. Tribe. I was, um, 
I was like, okay, so when's my call home to my husband? When's my cheeseburger? And they're like, just wait, just wait. And they're like, go. I'm like, okay. That was, it was amusing and funny. And yeah, it was actually a really nice thing because I really did enjoy over at the Bronze Tribe. It was amazing, amazing people. I was going to say, so let's talk about culture. Because, you know, like, again, I was looking at the show from a, with a bit of a business lens on me thinking yes, yes. that culture is toxic and that culture looks like the one that I want to be in, even though I'd, I'd, I'd consider myself a brain, but I really wanted to hang out with the Braun tribe. Talk to me about the culture of the two tribes. So it's interesting because I, I really did, like, I really did delve into it in, in my own brain when I was there. So... Uh, the bronze tribe whilst they weren't technically brains they weren't stupid at all and they were more about using their body as their you know career or for that thing um what i found which is interesting is that when they were comfortable i don't know which comes first the chicken or the egg they're comfortable with their body and themselves and therefore they're comfortable more so in their personality warts and all they were much more open and frank and you know in touch with themselves and i don't know if that's a visceral thing or you know i just i don't know which bit came first but that's what i found they were the brains were so caught up in themselves um except for a couple who i continue to see um a few i should say i'll say Haley and way and Baden. and i still hang out with regular george of course i talk to george daily <laughs> um yeah. Uh, yeah, I think they were caught up in their own brains and thinking, A, they were like self-important. I felt they rested on their laurels a lot. They were in this little clique. They didn't need to work. They were literally just hanging about. I heard some comments saying that I was trying to um, like work my way into camp by getting wood and stuff, but I'm like, someone needs to do it, frankly. We need, <laughs> we need wood. Um, and I like to keep myself busy because I'm, I'm not an idle person. So uh, in terms of culture, uh, some people resting on their laurels uh, in the brains and, uh, you know, just being clicky, uh, which is unnecessary because we're all human. We're all in this weird, weird uh, environment, which we'd never been in. George had never been camping before in his life, never had Big D either, um, which is another story. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, the Braun camp itself was more beautiful. Um, yeah. But the people were just lovely, salt of the earth, hardworking. I mean, everyone was hardworking. Well, a lot of them were hardworking, but, um, yeah, just good people all around. So let's talk about King George because uh, I loved King George. Uh, I thought he he brought the chaos in the show. He brought the comic relief. Yes, um, yes. You know, I, I think, and you guys struck up a friendship that, I, I don't know if I've I've ever seen that before on Survivor where, you know, it was like power couple right to the end and, and everyone yeah. was talking about it. When did you guys start strategizing and playing the long game yourselves? As soon as he started to save me and as soon as I got him, we started strategizing. We were strategizing all the time that we were allowed to. Sometimes you weren't allowed to um, just because the cameras weren't there or something. But uh we were strategizing all the time that we could and he would come up with, I don't know, 150 different scenarios and I would discount maybe 129 <laughs> and then we'd nut out the, the rest of it in terms of playing chess. Well, if that happens in that one and who we thought the alliances were with and, uh, you know, how it would play when he went and was uh, 
you know, overhearing by the well with Laura, I'm like, go, 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 you go, go. So we all had eyes everywhere. We were looking for idols all the time. But the other really, really important thing is um, we always told each other the truth. And sometimes there was, uh, which play was it, with Gerald, the play with Gerald, I didn't know he was going to do that, but I knew he had my back. And it played out really well. Um, every other move that I was making, that he was making, we both knew. Um, and we'd always talk at tribal as well. Um, yeah, so it, it actually went down to trust and having each other's back the whole way. And to me, that's, again, paramount, important in life, important in friendships, important in everything. They say teamwork makes a dream work. And I think, you know, it was it was lovely watching your coolness and his chaos. <laughs> like, you know, it was, yeah. um, it was the perfect yeah. team. But I also think, you know, if he decided to leave politics, he'd, he'd do well in real estate. Is there any chance uh, of that? <laughs> we did discuss that. And I think he would be very good. Uh, but... I think he's got another, you know, his eyes on different prizes at the moment. So real estate's hard, as you know. It's um, sometimes thankless. It's like having children. Uh, and, you know, you can, I always say about real estate and business, especially when you have your own business, you get to choose which 16 hours of the day you get to work. Um, so we're constantly working. And George is a hard worker, but I think he'd like to put his feet up a bit too. <laughs> Yeah, well, definitely. I think you've all learned a bit of a feat putting up at the end of this year too after, yeah. after all of that. I guess the last thing, um, you know, with Survivor is in all the marketing, um, you were marketed as a real estate agent and you were marketed as an empath. And I'd like to dig into that because I find that fascinating. So explain to me what an empath is. An empath can be various things on a spectrum essentially. In terms of being an empath for me, I can literally, it's usually when I'm touching people, I put my hands on them, that I can feel firstly physical pain in their body, but then it also, if I'm with them long enough and, um, you know, allowing, they allow me to sit there with them, um, I start to get things like, oh, you've got mother issues, you've got father issues, you've got abandonment issues, you know, what happened at this age because something happened there and, you know, you don't think you're good enough in this area or, um, like it, it could be any gamut of things. Um, now, I applied that in Survivor and I would literally sit next to someone and I go, ooh, one of the gentlemen had father issues. And so I didn't tell him at the time, and I certainly didn't tell anyone else, I'm not about that as well, but in terms of what he needed, I, I just knew how to speak to him, to direct him or to, you know, suggest things you know, inception kind of things. Um, and I, I knew how to tap into him. So people feel immediately kind of very close to me. When you're understood, you feel closer to someone and they're like, oh, they get me. Um, and I play back their own language to them. I use body language. I'm, I'm actually just like a really good people person, but I've also got a brain and a conscience about it. Um, yeah, so for me, that's the empath part in me. Uh, I can read people really well, again, touching with pain. I, like I always know when something else is going on, I'm like, what is it? They're like, nothing. I'm like, mm -mm, you can't fool me. <laughs> um, yeah. So it just kind of breaks through. And when people realize that I'm not doing it to use it against them, um, I'm actually just here to help them and help them help themselves. Uh, I'm, I'm really, I'm really, really passionate about growing people, not just in our business, but in life in general. I really enjoy it. And I have a large capacity for it. So 
Does that answer your question? It does. And I mean, I did a little bit of reading on, on you know, what it means to be an empath and, and kind of what I took away is that, you know, you're a bit like an emotional sponge. Like you yeah. don't feel things that people tell you, you feel things with them. Yes, and yes, exactly. That's a really good statement, actually. Yeah. And what's in, what, what's interesting, I suppose, is in, in real estate, you must, um, it must be like taking on a whole bunch of emotions from people at different times in their lives. How yes. do you, how do you get a, away from that? Because that can be quite overwhelming for a lot mm. of agents that, you know, taking on the problems of people that you're dealing with who might be buying, selling or whatever. Yeah. How do you, how do you, how do you decompress yourself from that? I have a couple of different strategies, actually. One is like I wash my hands like a lot, not like an OCD person, but if I touch someone, I need to wash my hands straight away to get rid of them, if you will. Um, I I love being around like blue water, just to look at blue water, which just seems very basic, but I'm always craving blue water. In fact, I'm looking at our pool right now going, oh, there's some blue water. Um, and the other thing which actually came more from Survivor, I realised how much I needed to be up under the stars and the moon. And coming out of this, I've learnt about the moon and uh, being an empath. It's it's like really healing. And I find myself in Double Bay going out and lying on my driveway because I can lie on any rocks or any concrete now. I'm like, it doesn't even hurt. Like one little pebble in the way, flick it off. Um, yeah, so I find myself frequently just lying in my driveway, just kind of marvelling at the stars and the moon. I, I crave that. Um, and I used to do that when I was younger, but, you know, life life gets, you know, ahead of you sometimes, and I stopped that. So I've really started to do that a lot more, going for walks with my husband, especially during COVID, of course, everyone's walking. Um, and I also just, I just kind of imagine a bit of a shell, you know, around me, um, like a white light shell kind of thing to protect me. And the other thing is I just learned to switch my brain a bit more. So if I'm, someone will say, come read me, come read me. And I'm like, nah, I, I, like, I'm not like, just allow me to settle in because I'm not in that space. I'm in like project management mode or, you know, vendor management mode or whatever. Yeah. So it's a bit of a superpower for you being able to tap into the emotions of people, which, you know, and I think empathy is such an important quality for a real estate agent to have. If you don't have the superpower, which is what you have, mm -hmm. are there ways that you can you feel that other agents can learn to feel more empathy with the person that they're that they're dealing with? I think definitely the very, very young agents when they're trying to learn everything, people agents just focus on what they want to say or what they want to impart. And when you're thinking about yourself or what you're saying next, you're not actually present. People know you reuter if you're not present or you're present. And it's really important. So many people are distracted by phones and just, you know, the world and they crave connection. So my husband's a really good connector. I'm a really good connector. And I would say when you're sitting next to people, A, ask them why they're selling, why they're listing, why they're moving. Is that actually in their best interest? We've, we've had many a time where we'd say to our vendors, do you know, well, not even our vendors at that point, like this seems like the perfect house for you. Why are you doing this? And like, oh, maybe you're right. I feel forced into it by my family or whatever. We are so passionate about what is doing right for the vendor, right down to the fact that we might even get through, you know, a whole sales campaign and we get to the end and instead of trying to force a sale through, we just go, do you know what? Sit tight, rent it out, do whatever. It's not right for you right now. And that is what we're all about. It has to be about them not you. Your knowledge, that'll come, 
but the connection, people remember the feeling, they generally forget the conversation. So people just A, want connection, they want to be heard, they don't want to be talked over the top of. Um, they want obviously sound advice, but it needs to suit them. So I think empathy comes into flow with that. Uh, empathy comes into play with that. And again, body language, you know, even just simple things like going at the same pace. If I was talking to you like this and you're not, you know, you're not that way inclined, you're like, get away from me. But if I'm too slow, then you start to switch off. So it's all about pacing, body language, connection, everything that goes into play. And just, you know, the old fashioned adage, you see a photo of a dog and you start a conversation. People just want connection and they want to find markers where they're like, oh, okay, I know you, now I like you, you know, and now I'll probably list with you, if not now, perhaps in the future. Let's go into um, your, I feel like we've talked about Survivor a lot now, so <laughs> I'll have to put that one down. But um, your husband, Brad, he's actually in our summer edition of the magazine. So tell us a little bit about First City Real Estate and how you work with Brad in that business. So we've been uh, operating originally as First City Realty uh, since 1989 with Julie and and Ashley Hazeman, also our business partners, husband and wife team. So there's two husband and wives. Um, my background, I'm 15 years in insurance and super. So I am corporate based. Uh, I'm all about systems and processes. And uh, I was a business analyst. So I have a, a good brain between business and, you know, programmers, frankly, I can't program, but I can, I can tell the, the bits and pieces in between and understand it. Um, so Bradley is uh, an amazing salesperson, but he's also really good with people, funny that, and the team. So we kind of corral all the team together. We do a lot of psychology with the team. Uh, we do psychological assessments when people come in so we know their best learning capabilities, whether they're good at maths or, you know, how they like to be rewarded, um, just disc, disc analysis and, you know, profiling like that. Um, but it's really important to know, again, how to tap into people. And because it's such a busy environment, you need to tap in quickly. Um, so, sorry, going back, uh, when Bradley and I joined, I actually think it was 11, 12 years ago now, uh, we rebranded and uh, we launched in, into the traditional kind of resi slight projects market um, and developments. We also do commercial uh, and we have a property management with, with uh, retail, commercial and residential as well. Um, and the business just grew from there. Um, we're really particular about who we have on. Um, we don't want prima donnas. We want a nice team environment. I always say you're at work more than you're at home. Um, so if there's any issues. I always like to have that baseline of uh, that relationship base where if you have a little bit of hiccup on top, you know, it's always resolvable because, you know, it, there's respect there and there's, we understand each other. Um, Bradley and I work together really, really well. Uh, I, I'm in the background, um, but also the foreground too, like interchange, not quite interchangeably, but um, listening to his conversations, uh, following the projects, following his clients. So I, I know all the clients, we'll, we will go to dinner, um, but I can also keep them up to date if Bradley's unavailable. You know, I kind of oversee all of that, um, but we also manage the team. Um, yeah, and we like to push and progress forward. Uh, Brad was um, general manager of Lexus and top, I think it was top four salesman in Australasia. Um, and he just gets A service, B experience, is in the purchaser or the vendor's experience. 
um, and again, gets people. So kind of that's where we're up to now. Uh, yeah, you guys just sold like one of the biggest projects in, in Double Bay yeah. ever, didn't you? <laughs> yeah, that's um, that's been a really interesting long, long experience. When That's been five years in the making and in terms of dedication, what Bradley has put into that is paramount. He, um, he attended all the planning, proposal meetings. He was instrumental in changing you know, floor plans and, and frankly, getting the DA approval. Uh, I remember the day just recently when they actually gave the approval and he was just sitting there kind of all misty eyed and we called up our clients. We actually saw them later on and they were just crying, just so grateful. Um, and that's kind of what we live for. You know, the, the rest will follow, but it's, it's about giving to our clients. And um, again, the rest will follow. Yeah, absolutely. So I have to ask one last question of you, which is where did the handle Duchess of Double, Double Bay come oh. from? <laughs> it came from George very early on in the show, very early on, and everybody was calling me it. And they all knew, uh, you know, I'm a Campbelltown girl. And well, I was originally from New Zealand, but then I lived in Campbelltown, grew up in Campbelltown. So it really was tongue in cheek. I'm a hard worker. I live in Double Bay. You know, I love Double Bay. I love nice things. There's no, you know, ifs or buts about that. Um, but I work for everything I've got. I've never been given anything. Um, and, you know, I like nice things. So why not enjoy it? But also like giving to people. So um, it came from George, tiny bit tongue in cheek, but it kind of just, you know, it just fit and it stuck. And it was funny. It didn't come out as much within the show, um, but a lot of people still call me just Duchess. Like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but it no, is tongue in cheek. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 great and very very fitting. So, what's <laughs> next for you personally? What are you? What do you, what's next for Cara? Ah, good question. I actually just want to re-embed in the team um, and re-embed processes. Uh, we're probably one of the most prolific project um, project marketers, you know, and salespeople you know, in the eastern suburbs now. And um, we've, I think we've got 1.2 billion worth of projects coming up to sell. Uh, so I just I just really want to focus on that. Um, I'm really enjoying dealing with, um, you know, architects and uh, creatives at the moment. I just kind of get the creative element. And, you know, people like Luigi, they're just kind of next level in terms of, you know, I'm fangirling over them. They're amazing. Just I love super smart, super talented people. Um, so I just think I want to do more of that. Um, I want to re-embed with the kids. It was, it was a little bit stressful um, being away from them. And, and um, yeah, it's, it's actually really tough on the people you leave behind. Um, I'm just going to put this in there. It feels like a death because there is little – there is no contact with me and uh, and I'm in a game with things to focus on, you know, even just down to getting food and water um, and they are left here. They have no idea what's going on. So it's quite stressful. So I just want to, you know, re-embed myself as a mum, you know, take a little break. I thought COVID was over when we were in there. Uh, we had no idea of what was going on. And uh, I was surprised when I came out, I'm like, what? What's it still doing here? Um, but, yeah, again, consolidate the business, find some new people, bring our team back all together um, and our family and kind of enjoy ourselves a bit more too. Uh, we've been working from home Mondays now, 
which Bradley would never do in a million years. I could I could barely get him out to lunch. I literally just serve him a sandwich on his desk most days and he may or may not eat it. And he gets home all, all hangry. And I'm like, why did you eat a sandwich? Like, didn't have time. I'm like, okay, so <laughs> your fault. <laughs> um, yeah, that's, that's real kind estate, of yeah. <laughs> I know, it really is. <laughs> yeah. Well, Cara, it's been amazing um, meeting you in person. And um, thank, you. thank you. Thank you so much for sharing some of your adventure with us um, and some of the behind the scenes. It's, 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 really, um, it's really amazing to sort of dig into that stuff. I asked this question of all my podcast guests um, at yes. the end, which is if there was one piece of advice or one thing that you'd like to leave everyone with, what would it be? Uh, can I leave two quick ones? It's actually about being genuine, authentic and yourself. Well, that's, that was one part. And connect with people, but also have knowledge and be curious and be interested. I'll put that in two sides. Is that okay? <laughs> There's two yes. subject matters. You, you, can, you can definitely have two. <laughs> Cara Atchison, thank you so much. Thanks, Amanda. I really appreciate it. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Elevate podcast. With thanks to connectnow.com.au. Don't forget to get access to all of Elite Agent's premium resources, including a detailed episode guide for this podcast. Visit joineliteagent.com. 